0: We had a tremendous prayer meeting on th- on Tuesday night. We've changed our format, and uh, it's been for the better. I think it's it's wonderful. We can still come and pray and uh, seek the Lord alone, uh, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You can do that, but we're we're hitting on uh, prayer points that a lot of times we don't really know what to pray, but I know the Holy Spirit will will teach us and praise for us within us. And there's a groan, it says in Romans chapter 8. But I also know that uh, it's a wonderful thing to come together with corporate prayer and just let God minister through us. And sometimes people will say things that will lead you and help you to know what to pray for. And uh, I was shared with somebody just this very thought yesterday. And they said to me, they said, I have learned how to pray from hearing people that were praying in the church. Some things are caught more than taught. And so you learn how to pray by hearing people pray. And uh, and they learned the same way. And so I'm just grateful tonight for the prayer meeting for people that came to pray and if you want to be a part of that and you want to be one that brings forth one of those prayer points and prays for it during that hour or so that we have a prayer let me know I would be glad to give you the microphone and let you pray if God has placed a burden on your heart you're the person that's supposed to pray are y'all here tonight with me amen praise God and uh just a little quiet out there but that's all right Amen. Uh, You know, blessed quietness. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to read a short portion of Scripture, and then we're going to get right into the Word of God here after we pray. Hallelujah. How many happy to be saved tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter six. Let's pray over the Word of God first, and then we'll read it. Would you bow your heads in prayer, Heavenly Father? We thank you for this great privilege and honor to come to be here in your house, to honor you, to glorify you, and Lord, we didn't we didn't come for any other reason but to worship you, to hear your Word, to pray, and uh, and and begin to apply and put into practical application in an altar in our lives through prayer, and through obedience, the words that you speak to us tonight and the words from your word unto us. And they're living. It's a living word. And Lord, it will change our lives. It will change everything about us. And so if we'll let it, God, tonight. And so I pray that you'll talk to us. You'll bring some clarity maybe to some things in our life. And Lord, you'll help us through every trial that we go through and know, Lord, that that there is a promise on the other side of everything that we sow to. And God, I just ask you Lord that you will just let the anointing rest upon me. And God, speak through me and minister through me. I come to submit myself unto you. And I pray that this congregation will be touched and affected, Lord, and impacted in some way. And we give you all the glory and honor. I bind every hindering force. I bind every thought. We cast down every imagination, Lord, that tries to come to bombard our mind and our thoughts. In Jesus' name, we pray your blessing over this service. We plead the blood of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Have you ever been praying and the enemy will just bring a thought into your mind, and you're like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. I'm the only one that's ever happened to. But that thought will come and you're like, that this ain't this is well, it's never a time to bring some of the things that the enemy brings, but you'll be praying and, and he'll put something in there to try to distract you. Amen, and and, uh, so uh, anyway, but I praise the Lord tonight that we have the authority that we can cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of truth. In Galatians chapter 6, and I'm preaching tonight this thought, this message, entitled, The Law of Harvest, The Laws of Harvest. And it says in verse 5 of chapter 6, For every man shall bear his own burden, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And before I go any further, I just want to say this. Uh, Paul is speaking and teaching here about how that, when he talks about that word communicate, he's talking about giving, okay, giving, but And and we'll allude on that a little bit tonight, but I I want you to know when he uses that word communicate, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. In other words, if you're taught from the word of God, then who you're sitting under that's teaching you, minister back to them and communicate to them and giving unto them so they can continue to teach the word of God. Amen? Praise God. And, uh, but he says here, he says here in, in the word, he said, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And I'm going to continue on and read that ninth verse. He said, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And he puts a com- or uh, let's see, no, there's a period there. If we faint not. And I'll stop there. I'm just teaching tonight for a little bit here on the laws of harvest. And uh, we need to hear life truths and principles from God's Word. That's how we're going to grow. We all must want to mature and grow. That should be a desire in our heart. That should be something that we want to see accomplished in our lives. And that comes from not only hearing the Word, but being a doer of the Word of God. Amen? But we need to hear life truths and principles from God's Word and sowing and reaping and the laws of harvest are a huge important truth that we have to hear you must hear that because a lot of times people wake up even as christians in 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 years down the road of living for god and they wonder how in the world i got to this place i can tell you at somewhere along that journey you've sown something that you're now reaping something we don't want to hear that Because we live in a a society that wants to play the victim card. But I can tell you, sometimes there are Christian people and people in the world that aren't even believers that are victims. They are victims to circumstances and situations. But we've got to know tonight, as Christians, we have to be accountable for the things that we've sown. And I want to bring out some very, very important spiritual laws tonight that will help you. But the, the, the first thing I want to get settled tonight is that there is a principle of sowing and reaping and a law of harvest and we have to know in the spiritual realm we have to deal with that in our life and it's something that we have to accept and embrace the reality of. In fact, seed principle, if you think about it, is the fundamental of saving faith. Seed principle is the fundamental of saving faith. If Jesus hadn't died and been the seed plot of salvation and of faith whenever he went down in that tomb or in essence even in the water when he was baptized because he fulfilled all righteousness but if he had not been the seed that was planted in the ground like it says in John chapter 12 and that corn of wheat went to the ground and died it could have never rose up again in in life and the seed plot the seed plot of life I can tell you, the seed of life died and was planted in that tomb. And he was buried, but I can tell you, he rose again on the third day. Are you hearing me today? So Jesus rose in life everlasting for you and I to be the seed plot for future life or saving faith and the life of salvation. So the fundamentals of our faith are based in seed, the seed of the word that's put in our heart, the seed of the word that's spoken to us. And the things that we sow to, I can tell you, we'll reap of them. And if it's spiritual, it'll be spiritual. If it's corruption, it'll be corruption. But whatever we sow, I can tell you, we will reap. Now hear me tonight. It's embedded in the fundamental fabric of the Bible. And, and Jesus and the, and the seed, uh, fundamental of saving faith being the seed, uh, and Christ being the firstborn of a new race, the Bible says. And the beginning of all things of saving faith and life of, and salvation is embedded in the fundamental fabric of the Bible. In the natural... In the natural, because there's spiritual and there's natural. In the natural, farming is a mystery to many people. Sister Skiles always made a joke, and she said the only thing that we could make grow was children. Amen. And we made them grow. We fed them, and we watered them. Amen. But in the natural, farming is a mystery to many. And there are things that we know. There's a, we know there's a difference between a cow and a pig and a chicken. And I know people in the world don't see the difference in things. I know we're living in a time and a day where all s- sanity and 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 uh, absolute knowledge and wisdom and reasonable logic has been thrown to the side, and people are saying two plus two equals five now instead of two plus two equal, equaling four. there, and you know where I'm going, and you know what I'm saying. It just seems like that that, that just the basic, you know, common sense things have been thrown to the way side and the devil has seen to that because he wants there to be no absolutes and if he removes them and he removes them from the world I can tell you it will carry over as it already has and people will say there are no absolutes in this Bible there are big name preachers that have said this Bible should not be taken literally and I'm going to tell you you should literally turn them off and you say who are they pastor some of them you have even told me you listen to Come to me after church and I'll tell you. Amen. In the natural though, there are things we know. Farmers know. People that grow things know. There's a difference between certain things. We also know the laws of natural harvest. You must sow to reap in the natural. You normally reap what you've sown. And you normally reap more than you've sown at times. You normally reap sometimes after you've sown, so there's a period of time. All of these things are just basic principles and thoughts concerning reaping and sowing. Sowing seed and reaping a harvest. Sometimes though, nothing is reaped even when you've sown seed. I've had that happen where I've sown flower seeds and nothing came up. Nothing came from that seed in the natural. I'm not talking about in the spiritual. But in the spiritual, it's a whole different thing. I'm going to tell you right now, it has very a, simil- it has a lot of similarities and parallels, but let me just share with you right now in the spiritual life, Lie in the lives of everyone who has eternal and eternal soul, we see it is different than it is in the natural. You can see things in the natural, and you say the same thing should always be in the spiritual, but it's not. I can tell you it's not. Everything that's spiritual is different because it's eternal. In the natural, your natural mind, your fallen nature tells you, I cannot forgive that person. But Our God who is a spiritual being teaches us and shows us how to forgive by what he did in sending his own son to die on the cross. For you to forgive is a spiritual thing. You can't do it on your own. God, by His Spirit, has to do it through you. I know because I've held on to things and God said if you continue in the natural, you will never forgive them. But if you allow the spiritual realm, the spiritual dimension, the Spirit of God to flow through you, you will forgive. God will give you the power to forgive a person that doesn't deserve forgiveness. But did any one of us deserve forgiveness? Does a one of us sitting in here deserve anything but hell? No. But thank God Jesus gave his only, or or laid down his life. God gave his only son, only begotten son, so we could have salvation and forgiveness of sins. That's scripture. But in the spiritual life, in the lives of everyone who has an eternal soul, that's every human being. That's not dogs and cats and pigs and cows and things that do not have an eternal soul. They may be God's creation, but they don't have an eternal soul. We have an eternal soul that carries over into eternity. In the spiritual sense, we see it's different than in the natural. If you do not sow in the natural flower seeds or vegetable seeds, you don't reap. If you don't put anything in the ground, you're not going to reap anything. But let me tell you something. Buckle your seatbelt, church. Buckle your seatbelt. But the Bible teaches us we reap what is sown. And we reap also in the spiritual what was not sown. What do you mean by that, preacher? I'm going to tell you something right now. We have forgiveness from God and we have been bequeathed things by His grace and because of His mercy and because of God's grace and His love. We have received things and we didn't sow anything to deserve that. Are you all hearing me tonight? So when I'm saying this to you, the Bible teaches we reap what is sown, but we also reap what was not sown. Romans two verse six, you gotta hear this tonight because that was that was one of the wow factors and everybody just kinda went, Ah eh. You need to listen to this because this is the problem. People don't realize that by them doing nothing, they have sown things. Amen. In chapter 2 of Romans, verse 6, the Bible says this. Who will render to every man according to his deeds? That's what he's saying. God will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. He's talking about glory unto God, honor unto God, and immortality which is eternal life living as an immortal in in heaven of eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. What he's saying here is this we do not choose to always intentionally intentionally sow. We don't always choose to intentionally sow things. Even in the negative, we may say, I didn't, I don't feel like I've sown in the negative or evil, but by us not doing something, by omission, we are sowing. Amen. People are going to say, I I went into the doctor and I told him I'm overweight. And he said, it's not your fault. And I thought, you're right, it's not my fault. He was being facetious with me. But that's what a lot of people say. They say, I I don't know how this happened. It happened because you didn't do what you should have done. Okay? And so... What I'm simply trying to say to you is we do not always choose intentionally to sow evil things or to sow disobedience. We don't realize that by us not doing what we're supposed to do, we are sowing seeds. Things are happening because we didn't do what we should have done in the right. It's like John 3.18. It simply says it right there in John 3.18. Remember, we always quote John 3.16. Everybody can quote John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believeth in Him, then you acteth upon what you believeth. <laughs> he said, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But listen. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What is he saying and what does John 3.18 tell us? That choosing not to make a decision for Christ and believe in Him does not absolve us from the eternal and earthly consequences. Because people have consequences upon this earth because they do not serve God. There is not a blessing upon their life. There is not peace upon their life. There is not grace upon their life. There is not hope there's not a a when i use this word um what i'm trying to say is there's not a a desire for god and a desire to fulfill the purpose that god has for us and to be a testimony and an example of his love of his grace of his mercy of his life i can tell you people that 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 have absolutely denied christ a lot of people okay i'm not saying everybody but but we're getting ready to do this homeless ministry out here and you look at that and some people are out there on the street because they just simply can't afford to be anywhere else. But there's some people that have absolutely given up on life. They, the most part, most of them have given up on life. They have become a trophy in the devil's trophy case. Because what they're saying is, I don't have any purpose anymore. I don't have any will to live anymore. That's why all they do is just do drugs. They don't feel like there's any other hope. They say, "There's why should I work?" I've heard some of these millennials, or not even millennials. I think it's Gen Y or Gen X. I'm not sure. I think I don't know what generation I am. I'm I'm old. Amen. But 1972. But but you've got this new generation that says I don't want to work because I can't even make enough money to pay for the things that I need to pay for and get ahead in life so why should I even work and I understand that why they may feel that way but that is no reason to just lay down and quit and just stop living God created us with a purpose and the devil wants you off on the side of the street in a ditch somewhere not fulfilling the purpose of God which is to live for God and to show them I've got a reason for living I have value that's why when we begin to speak to people on the street and we tell them you have value we can tell them God loves them but when you start telling them you have value because God says you have value tears stream down their face That is a consensus. The enemy has them believing that this, I should just give up on life. And they don't have, thank God, you know, they're not listening to the voice that's telling them to take their life. We don't want anybody to commit suicide. We don't want anybody to die. I'm so grateful that people value their life enough that they say, I don't want to go down that way. But, but they, but they have to realize that God fearfully and wonderfully made them and they have value and they're important and he loves them. And that's why they feel the way they feel and they've given up. They're dejected. They feel absolutely in despair. But, you know, all I can say to you today is that there are people that have, by them not making a decision to live for God, have made a decision. By you not making a decision, you have made a decision. Whenever God calls you to stand for truth and stand for something and you keep your mouth shut, you've said said something with great volume. Because your silence, you know, people say silence is golden. Silence is also a message. It sends a message by you saying nothing. And I can tell you in the day that we're living in, we need to be vocal about our relationship with God. Praise God. Praise God. So moving on here, let me just say this to you. I did not sow weeds in my backyard and my side yard, but they came up as a consequence of my doing nothing. What well, could you have done, Pastor? Well, I, first of all, I could have pulled them when they were little. Now they're as tall as my granddaughter. Why didn't you get out there and pull them? I ain't got around to it yet. And I've sprayed Roundup, and it worked for a while. Adrian came over one time, and he said, Pastor, he said, you know, we've pulled these weeds, and you've pulled them. He said, you just need to get this stuff. I said, I know. They sell it down at Home Depot. It's called Roundup. I know. You can spray that that weed killer on there and they'll die. I said, but if you don't stay on top of it, they'll come back. It's like sin. If you don't kill sin, sin will be killing you. If you don't deal with it at its root, it'll it'll creep right back up. We reap what we've sown. We reap what we've sown and we reap even when we haven't sown evil things. We just haven't done anything. If you don't pray and you don't seek the face of God and you're not in the word and you're not in fellowship and you're not in the house of God, you're not going to be filled up with everything that you need to keep you where you need to be in God. Walking with Him. So in the spiritual, sowing can be intentional or unintentional. Some people sow evil, they see they sow sin. We've all did that before we come to Christ. He saved us and changed everything about us. We have we've been made new creatures in Christ. We have new faculties. We have a new desire. We have a new mind. We have a new viewpoint, a new ambitions, new realized purpose in God. Everything is new. Behold, old things are passed away. All things have become new. We need to realize that we're new creatures in Christ. So put on the newness of God. Put on the mind of Christ. No Christian should live in a place of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the God we serve. But in the spiritual, sowing can be intentional or unintentional. Reaping for sure, no matter what. You can sow something spiritual, you'll reap spiritual. But if you sow nothing, you're going to see that you're still going to reap something and it's not going to be what you wanted. And if you sow evil and wickedness and corruption, you're for surely going to reap that. So I'm trying to give you a principle here that you understand. I can sow good things or if I do nothing, I'm still going to deal with something. But yeah, but I'm not, I'm not sowing evil, Pastor. I'm not sowing a life of sin or my flesh anymore. I said, yeah, but if you're not seeking the face of God like you need to, that devil will make sure that in the middle of the night some, some evil servant of hell will come and sow seeds in your life when you didn't even pay attention to what was going on. Remember the parable when Jesus said, an enemy has come in and sown in these fields while we slept. Don't be asleep at the wheel, especially in the day that we're living. And you've got to be alert. We got to be sober, as Paul or Peter said. Gird up, you know. The loins of your mind. In other words, make sure that you... When, when he was preaching that and teaching that, they, they wore robes. They wore, that's what they wore. They didn't have pants like we do today. And, and what they would do is if they had to run, they'd grab that gown. They'd start running, you know? That's what he was saying. You can't run this race if you don't gird up that mind. You've got to bring that mind into where it's supposed to be. You're not going to think that way. This is the way you're going to think. Are you hearing your pastor? We're reaping what we've sown. We're reaping even when we haven't sown. And good or bad, we're, we're going we're gonna to deal with these things. But in the spiritual, sowing can be intentional or unintentional. Sometimes we lose a harvest naturally, but we never lose a harvest spiritually. If you've sown to the Spirit, you will reap it. Are you hearing me? You will reap it. Only repentance breaks the chain of sowing and reaping or a bad harvest. Only repentance. People say, I've sown all this, and I said, you can come to an altar. God can have mercy, and He can relieve you and do away with a bad harvest in one prayer, meaning of true blue repentance. Amen. Have you ever been there where you thought, you know what, I did it this time? I'm telling you, I really messed up. I'm really in a mess. But you get on your face and you cry out to God, and He somehow, some way turns things around and reverses the, the penalty or the harvest. You're thinking, man, I didn't deserve that, but praise the Lord, it could have, it should have been worse than what it is. But thank God for His mercy because I didn't have to reap that because God changed it and turned it. I'd have reaped it if I wouldn't have repented. But now that I've repented, I can see that thing turn. I praise God. I praise God. I praise God. Repentance deals with evil and its consequences. Let me give you a truth bomb. We may or we can escape consequences. Praise the Lord. But nobody will escape final responsibility. Well, pastor, what are you saying? If Even if we sow, we're still going to de- deal with final responsibility? No, Jesus already dealt with our final responsibility. I'm talking about when people say, you know what, I, 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 may, I may have dodged that bullet, but you know what, I think I'm invincible, and you know what, I'll be alright, I don't have to worry about it, I'll just live and let live, I'll live my life and do whatever I want to do. No, one day, everybody is going to stand before God. I don't care what anybody says. One day everybody's going to stand before God and we may escape consequences by grace or just, well it's always by grace. There are things that you think how in the world did that person not get caught and really not have to deal with the consequences. God had grace and mercy upon him because he had something in store and something he was doing. But nobody will ever escape that final responsibility when we stand before God and we will either Stand before God for ourselves, Or we will stand Christ Jesus will stand Before us And for us That's why you got to be born again That's why you have to put your faith And trust in Jesus It's simply put like this Either you trust in Him To be the Savior Or you have to be the Savior And you can't save yourself The difference between Lazarus And the rich man In Luke chapter 16, it's a powerful scripture. I'm talking about sowing and reaping, and when you finally cross over and you stand before God. In Luke 16 and verse 19, it says, There was a certain rich man. Now, this was a parable that Jesus spoke, and there have been many a preacher that said it wasn't a parable. We know that Lazarus is in the Bible. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. In other words, he ate well every day, every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. I want you to notice Jesus' words. He shows how Lazarus was carried into Abraham's bosom, but he said that, that rich man, he's buried. You know, we, we, I know we bury people and we put them in a grave and we go to the cemetery, but if they're born again, they're not there. They're not there. They were serenaded by angels and carried up to the throne of God. He, that was Jesus' language. Think about it. He said, Lazarus was transported He said, Lazarus, it came to pass that the beggar died. and uh, The beggar Lazarus died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. In other words, there's a wonderful promise on the other side. You're not there yet, but when you get there, you'll be carried up into the arms of the Father, into the arms of the Savior. But he says here uh, that he's in Abraham's bosom because it was before the cross. And he said, and the, the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime you have a lifetime to sow. And in your lifetime, what you sow is what you reap everlasting. He said, in your lifetime, you received good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. In other words, he was sitting out in front of your door begging you for a crumb from your table. And you wouldn't even answer your door. But he said, now he's comforted and you're tormented. Why did I read all of that to you? Because remember in your lifetime, your earthly life is a sowing time for the life after. This account will be the testimony of millions. They'll either have the testimony of Lazarus or they'll have the testimony of the rich man in hell. Sowing and reaping is something that we all need to stop and think about especially concerning salvation if we sow to the spirit we'll reap if we sow and by way of receiving the seed of god into our life in faith we have eternal life we have salvation eternal life i asked people in the jail one time i said how many know how many are believers and they all lifted their hands i said how many tonight know that if you took your last breath you'd go to heaven actually 40% raised their hands. And I said, I'm going to tell you right now, I just changed my message. I just changed my message. I said, you don't have assurance that you're born again and that if you take your last breath, you're going to go to heaven. I said, I'm going to tell you right now, He gives us blessed assurance. He gives us a hope. He gives us a confidence in Christ Jesus. And you know that peace that we have is a constant flow there that passes all understanding. But it's a constant peace with God and of God throughout our life. We can have that. We should have that. There's no other way to live. You've got to have that. You can't live one day thinking well I hope that lightning doesn't strike me or Jesus doesn't come back because I'm not ready. We need to always be ready. We need to have that confidence Amen, and that assurance in our heart. We're under the blood praise God we're under the blood we're under the blood and I praise the Lord for that that when he washes us and he saves us except we turn from that faith and walk away we've got salvation we've got that assurance down deep in our heart and I know we're supposed to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus so just stay before him stay under that fountain of grace know that he's a God of grace that doesn't want you walking through life paranoid and wondering all the time does God have a gavel in heaven getting ready to slam it down upon me he loves you he saved you and he knows how to keep you he's the keeper remember that he's the keeper that's why people may walk away they may have a backslidden stint or phase in their life or season but they always come back that's the problem with a lot of people. They don't know the blood's power and the grace of God and the cross's power and the work when Jesus said it is finished, it was finished. That moment. Amen. That moment. It was finished for you and I. And we got to rest in that peace and have the peace of God in our heart and peace with God. What's the difference, pastor? It's not in my notes, but I'm going to tell you. The peace With God is knowing that I've made peace with Him. In other words, I have peace because I know that He's forgiven me. And He will give you a verdict of peace. But then there's the peace of God. Every day you're walking with God. And you've got peace in every situation because you're walking with the One who's the Prince of Peace. Amen. I don't have to get all frazzled and rattled and all that stuff. We do. But it don't have to be. People are like, aren't you worried about what's going on in the world? No, I serve the Prince of Peace. I've made limited preparation. If something were to happen, I got a little extra food. I got some water. You know? And I and, and, and I got a whole pool full of water. Amen? And so I got plenty of water for all of us if we have to empty it out. But it's all right. It's, I don't know how drinkable it is, but you can at least take a bath. Praise God. But... I've made preparation. I've used wisdom. But I can promise you this much no matter what happens. Whether it's an earthquake. Whether it's a nuclear war. Whether it's a rapture. I've got peace with God. I've got peace every day I'm walking with God. I've got the peace of God. How do you know that pastor? Because I went today and I was on my knees praying and seeking Him. And I felt that peace down deep within me. You should have it. You can have it. And if you don't, tonight you should. Sowing and reaping are relational. We reap in kind. Evil produces evil. Good produces good. Reaping follows a natural law. You get out what you put in it. But here again, let me say this. In the spiritual, it's very similar but vastly different. Why? Because it's eternal. You have to know the sowing the eternal sowing or the I'm sorry the the spiritual sowing and the natural sowing you have to know that they're very similar. But because of the, the, uh, the difference in spiritual and natural, because of the difference there, you're going to see what I'm saying here. In the spiritual, it's very similar but vastly different because it's eternal. Usually, sowing and reaping are directly related. But the Word tells us you may not get what you expect. Sometimes we don't get what we should have gotten. And sometimes I can tell you there's other people in our life that were a casualty of what we did. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm going to tell you. Reaping may not be limited to just you. People will say, you know what? The sin that I committed I thought was just private and I was the only one that knew about it. I can tell you it flows from your life and I had a woman in prison tell me she said even the things that I have been involved in that my kids never knew about she said it affected them The things that we think are secret that nobody's being affected by, I can tell you they're affected by it. Our children, we are never an island. Sin does not just affect you and the consequence isn't just to you. It's to everybody that's connected to you. If somebody sins in this church, this church feels it. When I say sin, what I mean is they do something that is catastrophic, okay? If I, if I, if I, if I uh, you know, think a thought or whatever, I get in this altar, I pray and ask God to forgive me. But if I let that thought cause me to commit adultery, I can tell you the whole church is going to be affected. Your family, if mom or dad does something, they're going to be affected. When the kid turns rebellious or does something, the whole family's affected. Are you hearing me? When people get out of the will of God... People are affected. And and so we're not an island. David committed great sin. The king of Israel committed great sin with Bathsheba. He had a man murdered. He lied about it. Swept it under the carpet. Bathsheba, who he had committed adultery with, and he, he, he got rid of her husband. And he thought, everything's good. I cleaned it all up. I, I murdered. I, 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 I deceived. I did all of this stuff and, and manipulated the whole situation. And now it's all covered up and nobody knows about it but me and Bathsheba. But I can tell you, God knew. And old Nathan, the prophet, came in and he began to share with him a parable about how that there was one man that had one little lamb and another man that had a ton of lambs. And he said that man that was rich and had all those lambs went over and scooped up that little lamb from that man that had one lamb. And he said he, you know, took it from him. I believe they say slew it and ate it or whatever. And he said, tell me his name. And Nathan said, you're the man. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's pretty bad when it's your own phone. And it even says, do not disturb. Let me tell you something. I hope you're listening. (laughs) Alexa needs Jesus too. Even though she ain't even real. That's my worst fear. Just happened right here in the house of God. I turned that thing on. Do not disturb. Somebody showed me how that worked the other day. And then here, it doesn't even matter. That just shows you where we're living. They're listening to everything. <laughs> Let me get back to this. Praise God. Praise God. David saw the reaping in the lives of his children. Did he not? Didn't Nathan say, you know what? God will forgive you, but the sword ain't never going to leave your house. He lost the baby that Bathsheba had. Didn't live. He died. His t- Two of his sons... Were murdered uh, one of them was murdered the other one died in battle and and absalom became you know the one that that rose up and usurped authority and was disloyal to david and but exactly what nathan told him happened you know we see things sometimes and i'm just going to say this even in my own life with my own children there were things that i saw and sister scowls and i even looked across the table sometimes and we said you know what We're the ones that raised them. We're the ones that raised them. And I thank God that they're serving God today. I give God all the glory. Kyle's smiling over here. And I said, you better be good because I'm going to tell you right now, you will pay for your raising. You understand? Amen. I'm not speaking something into existence. I said, I'm just telling you right now, I'm so grateful that my boys are serving God. But, you know, I can tell you there were times we didn't do everything right. You don't do everything right. Brother Clinton, that said, You want to know why them kids don't want to go to church? Because you go home and you start from the front of the church to the back. And you go on and on and on about everything the preacher said, the things that are going on, the things you don't like. It's too cold, it's too hot, it's too long, it's too loud. Amen. You say, not me, Pastor. I don't bellyache and grumble grumble and groan. I can tell you when I went to church and I wasn't the pastor, there were times I did. That's why God told him when you march around the city of Jericho, don't say a word. You've mumbled and grumbled for 40 years, or not 40 years, but several years, and do not, well, 40 years, don't say a word. Keep your mouth shut. I've heard enough of that. (laughs) Amen. And on that that last day when you walk around that city, you can begin to shout. But I assure you this... David saw, going back to David, the reaping in the lives of his children, the sword never left his house. Jephthah, in the book of Judges, never realized his words, his vows, would cost him grandchildren, his daughter's fruitfulness, and her her life, and, and, and being able to be married, because he said, the first thing that comes to the door, the threshold, when I go home, if you'll give me this victory, God, I will sacrifice, in essence, and give to you. The first thing that comes to... Before me when I go home And the first thing that met him at the door Was his daughter And he was like no I just feel in my heart to say this too I know I'm going on But years ago When I first was in the ministry I gave everything to the ministry And my family Was left to the side And neglected Because I was taught You need to give everything to that ministry. And I was like, okay, you need to be here this day. You need to be here this day. You need to be here Tuesday. You need to be here Wednesday. You need to be here Saturday. You're preaching in the prisons on this day. You're doing two services on Saturday. And I remember... A man of God by the name of Brian Kretz that came up to me. And I said, my wife, she's just not happy. But she doesn't understand that i got to preach the gospel. And he said, brother, let me tell you something. I know what you're saying. And I believe. And I said, but the word of God says, he said, hold on here just a second. I know the word of God says, except you forsake father, mother, sister, brother. He said, but God called you uh, to be married and you have children that need to be raised and it's your responsibility to raise them. And he said, if you do not take care of your family, you will lose your ministry. And possibly your family too. So make sure you have balance in your life. That you live for God, God first, and your, then your, your wife, your family then your jobs and ministry and all that stuff. But God's first. But make sure, because if you don't take care of that family and minister to that family, they will grow to be resentful to the God that you have, 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 have showed so much allegiance and faithfulness to. And I'm not saying don't be involved in ministry. I'm saying that you have to have balance in your life because there'll come a day when your kids will say all they ever did was go. And they were always gone and I never saw them. I remember one time Cameron said to me, and it, it, it hit me. He said, Dad, you're always, always, always at the jail. Always. And I said, son, i got to go preach the gospel. And he said, I understand that, Dad. He said, but we're important too. And I said, Lord, God gave me a wake-up call because you don't see things sometimes. Now, don't everybody quit their ministries on me. I'm just telling you, put it in check. You reap what you sow. God shows us reaping is proportional to what you sow. In 2 Corinthians 9 6, I'm going, I'm going as quick as I can. I'm gonna to try to get you out of here as quickly as I can. But in 2 Corinthians 9 6, the Bible says this. He says, I'm sorry. 9 6. He said, but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, but God loveth a cheerful giver. Reaping is proportion to what you sow, and in this case, he's talking about giving. However, God shows us in the Word. It's a law of spiritual harvest. You reap often more than you've even sown. Did not Jesus say that give and it shall be given and God will pour it back out upon you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over? In other words, you give, but God will give above and beyond what you've given. He will bless what you've given. Amen. You pay in your tithes and your offerings and God blesses you above and beyond. How do you know that, Pastor? You don't know my finances. I'm telling you, I've watched people down through the years. God honors them if they will be faithful. He's honored me. I, I, I'm telling you, I, my job and my, my income is derived from what, hap, what happens in this church and what comes through this church. And in the early stages, I had to do a lot of praying. I said, Lord, please, I pray that the people will be faithful because if they're not faithful, then he said, don't ever put your faith in those people. He said, I, you put your faith in me. And I've trusted him. He said, you preach the word. Don't worry about nothing else, but you give and you watch. And I begin to even give in my tithes and offerings and missions. And God always gives back and he gives back in abundance. Are you hearing me? He gives in abundance. You reap often more that's sown than is sown. God determines proportions and he is not unjust or unfair. The inference." Is very clear that he's a sovereign God, but he tells us also, "I will reward your bountiful sowing." And this is an act of faith. Also, if you give, you know, uh, abundantly, God will abundantly uh, God will bless you. If you give sparingly, then that's what you can expect. But this tells us sowing and reaping are sequential. Your harvest is according to what you intentionally sow, and also it's according to your continual sowing you will reap and it will it will it will it will pay off In one day, you will begin to reap if you faint not. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't be weary in your sowing. But know this much, that as you begin to continue to do what you're called to do, and you're faithful to it, God will honor you. One law of harvest is time between the two. It's very hard for us to sow. I was sharing with somebody just a a, a couple days ago. I said, "We, we, we need to give. And I said, but the problem is, people start sowing seed and they're standing they're tapping their foot expecting God to produce a harvest the very next second and I said it doesn't work like that but just keep sowing and watch it will come it will come we don't get weary from work but we get weary from lack of results and lack of success so heed Paul's words be not weary he didn't say not he didn't say um, not to quit. There's a difference. Be not weary in well-doing. He didn't say, you know, make sure that you, that you you know fight against not quitting. He said, be not weary in your well-doing. Because there's a difference. There's a huge difference. In well-doing, we don't stop. For in due season, God's timing... Uh, and, and his season is something that you have to look forward to. He will always pour out his spirit. He will always bless. But God cares for the sow, for the, for for the sowing and the reaping interval. And I'm closing with these two scriptures in Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six. It says this in verse ten: For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is not going to forget your work and labor of love. God is not an unrighteous God. He's a righteous God. He's a just God. He doesn't do things that would be evil or that would be uh, unjust. Even though sometimes we feel like, God, why did you allow this to happen? Just remember this. Just remember this. There's a lot of things working together for the good. And he's not unrighteous to forget uh, your work and labor of love, which you've shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And so don't be weary, but he gives us a word to stay the course in in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, and this is what it says. It says, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. There is a promise coming to those that will stay the course. And church, let me tell you, there are some things you will not receive, and we will not receive until we're in heaven. No matter what you do or don't see, go to God's Word to lead you, to encourage you, to assure you, because it's easy to get discouraged. But I'm reminded of Psalms 137, and I do close with this scripture. I love this this, um, psalm, because he says in Psalms 137, I'm turning there as quickly as I can. He says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. And this is a scripture that a lot of people need to hear. And we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us Required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Why did I share that with you? Because I don't care what happens in your life. God has sown something in you. And He deserves the honor and the worship and the glory. No matter how hard things get. No matter what you go through in your life, that testimony of though you slay me, I will trust you, was what Job said. God is desiring for you in the midst of your trial. And the greatest testimony, oh, I just feel the Holy Ghost. The greatest testimony is not the testimony you give whenever God has done some great monumental thing in your life. Some great cataclysmic thing where you say, man, God just moved mountains out of the way. The greatest testimony is whenever you're going through the hardness of life and the trials of life, and you're still standing praising God. That you're saying, nothing, my prayer hasn't even been answered, but I'm still standing. Amen. He hasn't saved my child, but I'm still standing. He hasn't even got me that job yet, but I'm still standing. I'm still standing, I'm still serving God, I'm still shouting the praises even though I haven't seen what I've prayed for for years what I haven't seen for years, I'm still seeking God, I'm so grateful all those years my dad still prayed he still prayed, 18 years, you know, 18 years, or 16 years he's seeking God for Monica Matt and John Skiles, that was his three older kids, and he prayed for us and he told me one day, he said, son I remember I laid you in your brother and sister on the altar and I said God I can't be there to raise them I can't be there the situation and circumstances are out of my control I can tell you whenever you are not in control God steps in and shows you I'm working when you don't even realize that I'm working and not only did God save my dad's three kids but two of them are in the ministry I can tell you two of them are pastors today two of them are fruit from his life so don't hang that harp on the willow tree are you hearing me when you're going through your lowest moment don't hang that harp on the willow tree don't say well what do I do now God's God's, you know failed me God hasn't failed you he's saying hold on help is on the way hold on keep praising me they said they required of us a song when we were sitting there captives the Babylonians came in and they took Jerusalem they took the Israelites and they're captives and they're coming over and they're saying sing us a song Sing about your God now. Testify about your God now. And they said, we hung our harps on the willow tree. It's time to take those harps down off of that willow tree and shout and praise God. I don't care how bad things get in the world. Jesus is still on the throne. God is still God. He's still the almighty God. And you and I have got to know that no matter what, I'm going to praise Him and worship Him. And the reaping from my life is that I'm praising him through the storm and I'm praising him in spite of how bad it gets and it looks because God's working God's working amen I want us tonight as we leave I want us to agree in prayer it's 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 on social media now so I feel like I can take a liberty but everybody pretty much knows if you don't you're going to find out that 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 Jeremy and Noemi's oldest boy, Adrian, he ran away. He ran away. And as far as I know, I haven't got a report today. the still haven't found him. I don't know where he's at. Now that was by his own choice. He did that. But you know what, I want to tell you something. God can cause his steps to be slippery, amen, where he can't get any traction and he can't get ahead and try to move even further than he wants to. God is in control and he knows how to get a hold of that boy and put a hook in his jaw and bring him back. He knows how to bring him right where he needs to bring him. I said my prayer has been, God, make sure that he's safe. Keep him safe. He may have to go through some disciplinary act that if he he wasn't going to listen to mom and dad, I can tell you, there is a system that will make him listen. Amen. There's laws and judges and police and, and authorities that will make him listen. And that's just the law of the land. But I said, whatever it takes, get a hold of him, God. No matter what, just keep him safe. I don't want any harm done to him. I don't want him to be set back. But Lord, I'm praying that prodigal come home. And so I want you to know today that we've got to bind together as a church. We've got to believe God for this boy, that God will bring him home. So promise me this, as we close in prayer and we ask God to bring him home, that you will continue to pray every day that God will get a hold of his heart. That he'll begin to prompt him, or somehow, some way, he'll make a mistake and get tripped up and get caught. Amen. So that he has to come home. Because I can tell you, as much as God cares about Adrian, he cares about that mama over there that's wondering, is my boy okay? Is my boy okay? Is he still alive? What's going on with him? Where is he sleeping? What's he eating? What's going on in his life? Nobody knows the pain until you've been there. And none of us, for the most part, have been there. But church, let me tell you something. We've got to bind together our faith and trust God to bring him home. So let's stand. Let's agree in prayer. We had a tremendous prayer meeting on th- on Tuesday night. We've changed our format, and uh, it's been for the better. I think it's it's wonderful. We can still come and pray and uh, seek the Lord alone, uh, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You can do that, but we're we're hitting on uh, prayer points that a lot of times we don't really know what to pray. But I know the Holy Spirit. Will, will teach us and praise for us within us. And there's a groan, it says, in Romans chapter 8. But I also know that uh, it's a wonderful thing to come together with corporate prayer and just let God minister through us. And sometimes people will say things that will lead you and help you to know what to pray for. And uh, I was shared with somebody just this very thought yesterday yesterday. And they said to me, they said, I have learned how to pray from hearing people that were praying in the church. Some things are caught more than taught. And so you learn how to pray by hearing people pray. And And, uh, and they learned the same way. And so I, I'm just grateful tonight for the prayer meeting, for people that came to pray. And if you want to be a part of that and you want to be one that brings forth one of those prayer points and prays for it during that hour or so that we have of prayer Let me know. I would be glad to give you the microphone and let you pray. If God has placed a burden on your heart, you're the person that's supposed to pray. Are you all here tonight with me? Amen. Praise God. And uh, just a little quiet out there, but that's all right. Amen. Uh, You know, blessed quietness. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to read a short portion of Scripture. And then we're going to get right into the Word of God here after we pray. Hallelujah. How many happy to be saved tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6. Let's pray over the Word of God first and then we'll read it. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great privilege and honor to come to be here in your house, to honor you, to glorify you. And Lord, we didn't, we didn't come for any other reason but to worship you, to hear your word, to pray, and uh, and and begin to apply and put into practical application in an altar in our lives through prayer and through obedience, the words that you speak to us tonight, and the words from your word unto us, and they're living, it's a living word, and Lord, it will change our lives, it will change everything about us, and so if we'll let it, God, tonight, and so I pray that you'll talk to us, you'll bring some clarity maybe to some things in our life, and Lord, you'll help us through every trial that we go through and know. Lord, that that there is a promise on the other side of everything that we sow to. And God, I just ask you, Lord, that you will just let the anointing rest upon me. And God, speak through me and minister through me. I come to submit myself unto you. And I pray that this congregation will be touched and affected, Lord, and impacted in some way. And we give you all the glory and honor. I bind every hindering force. I bind every thought. We cast down every imagination, Lord, that tries to come. To bombard our mind and our thoughts in Jesus' name, we pray your blessing over this service. We plead the blood of Jesus. Amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. Have you ever been praying and the enemy will just bring a thought into your mind and you're like, "Uh-uh," <laughs> I'm the only one that's ever happened to. But that thought will come and you're like, "That this ain't this is well, it's never a time to bring some of the things that the enemy brings, but you'll be praying and and he'll put something in there to try to distract you. Amen, and, and uh, so uh, anyway, but I praise the Lord tonight that we have the authority that we can cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of truth. In Galatians chapter 6, and I'm preaching tonight this thought, this message, entitled The Law of Harvest, The Laws of Harvest. And it says in verse 5 of chapter 6, For every man shall bear his own burden." Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And before I go any further, I just want to say this. Uh, Paul is speaking and teaching here about how that, when he talks about that word communicate, he's talking about giving, okay, giving, but and and that, we'll allude on that a little bit tonight, but I, I want you to know when he uses that word communicate, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. In other words, if you're taught from the word of God, then who you're sitting under that's teaching you, minister back to them and communicate to them and giving unto them so they can continue to teach the word of God. Amen? praise god and uh, but he says here he says here in in the word he said let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things be not deceived god is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And I'm going to continue on and read that ninth verse. He said, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And he puts a com- or uh, let's see, no, there's a period there. If we faint not. And I'll stop there. I'm just teaching tonight for a little bit here on the laws of harvest. And uh, we need to hear life truths and principles from God's Word. That's how we're going to grow. We all must want to mature and grow. That should be a desire in our heart. That should be something that we want to see accomplished in our lives. And that comes from not only hearing the Word, but being a doer of the Word of God. Amen? But we need to hear life truths and principles from God's Word and sowing and reaping and the laws of harvest are a huge important truth that we have to hear you must hear that because a lot of times people wake up even as christians in 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 years down the road of living for god and they wonder how in the world i got to this place i can tell you at somewhere along that journey you've sown something that you're now reaping something we don't want to hear that Because we live in a a society that wants to play the victim card. But I can tell you, sometimes there are Christian people and people in the world that aren't even believers that are victims. They are victims to circumstances and situations. But we've got to know tonight, as Christians, we have to be accountable for the things that we've sown. And I want to bring out some very, very important spiritual laws tonight that will help you. But the, the, the first thing I want to get settled tonight is that there is a principle of sowing and reaping and a law of harvest and we have to know in the spiritual realm we have to deal with that in our life and it's something that we have to accept and embrace the reality of. In fact, seed principle, if you think about it, is the fundamental of saving faith. Seed principle is the fundamental of saving faith. If Jesus hadn't died and been the seed plot of salvation and of faith whenever he went down in in that tomb or in essence even in the water when he was baptized because he fulfilled all righteousness but if he had not been the seed that was planted in the ground like it says in John chapter 12 and that corn of wheat went to the ground and died it could have never rose up again in in life and the seed plot the seed plot of life I can tell you the seed of life died and was planted in that tomb and he was buried but I can tell you he rose again on the third day. Are you hearing me today? So Jesus rose in life everlasting for you and I to be the seed plot for future life or saving faith and the life of salvation. So the fundamentals of our faith are based in seed, the seed of the word that's put in our heart, the seed of the word that's spoken to us. And the things that we sow to, I can tell you, we'll reap of them. And if it's spiritual, it'll be spiritual. If it's corruption, it'll be corruption. But whatever we sow, I can tell you, we will reap. Now, hear me tonight. It's embedded in the fundamental fabric of the Bible. And, and Jesus and the, and the seed, uh, fundamental of saving faith being the seed, uh, and Christ being the firstborn of a new race, the Bible says. And the beginning of all things of saving faith and life of, and salvation is embedded in the fundamental fabric of the Bible. In the natural, In the natural, because there's spiritual and there's natural. In the natural, farming is a mystery to many people. Sister Skiles always made a joke, and she said the only thing that we could make grow was children. Amen. And we made them grow. We fed them, and we watered them. Amen. But in the natural, farming is a mystery to many. And there are things that we know. There's a, we know there's a difference between a cow and a pig and a chicken. And I know people in the world don't see the difference in things. I know we're living in a time and a day where all s- sanity and 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 uh, absolute knowledge and wisdom and reasonable logic has been thrown to the side, and people are saying two plus two equals five now instead of two plus two equal, equaling four. there, and you know where I'm going, and you know what I'm saying. It just seems like that that, that just the basic, you know, common sense things have been thrown to the way. Side And the devil has seen to that Because he wants there to be no absolutes And if he removes them And he removes them from the world I can tell you it will carry over As it already has And people will say There are no absolutes in this Bible There are big name preachers That have said This Bible should not be taken literally And I'm going to tell you You should literally turn them off And you say Who are they pastor Some of them you have even told me you listen to Come to me after church and I'll tell you. Amen. In the natural though, there are things we know. Farmers know. People that grow things know. There's a difference between certain things. We also know the laws of natural harvest. You must sow to reap in the natural. You normally reap what you've sown. And you normally reap more than you've sown at times. You normally reap sometimes after you've sown, so there's a period of time. All of these things are just basic principles and thoughts concerning reaping and sowing. Sowing seed and reaping a harvest. Sometimes though, nothing is reaped even when you've sown seed. I've had that happen where I've sown flower seeds and nothing came up. Nothing came from that seed in the natural. I'm not talking about in the spiritual. But in the spiritual, it's a whole different thing. I'm going to tell you right now, it has very a, simil- has a lot of similarities and parallels. But let me just share with you right now in the spiritual life, in li- in the lives of everyone who has eternal and eternal soul we see it is different than it is in the natural you can see things in the natural and you say the same thing should always be in the spiritual but it's not i can tell you it's not everything that's spiritual is different because it's eternal in the natural your natural mind your fallen nature tells you i cannot forgive that person but Our God, who is a spiritual being, teaches us and shows us how to forgive by what he did in sending his own son to die on the cross. For you to forgive is a spiritual thing. You can't do it on your own. God by his spirit has to do it through you. I know because I've held on to things and God said if you continue in the natural you will never forgive them but if you allow the spiritual realm the spiritual dimension the spirit of God to flow through you you will forgive. God will give you the power to forgive a person that doesn't deserve forgiveness but did any one of us deserve forgiveness Does a one of us sitting in here deserve anything but hell no but thank god jesus gave his only or or laid down his life god gave his only son only begotten son so we could have salvation and forgiveness of sins that's scripture but in the spiritual life, in the lives of everyone who has an eternal soul. That's every human being. That's not dogs and cats and pigs and cows and things that do not have an eternal soul. They may be God's creation, but they don't have an eternal soul. We have an eternal soul that carries over into eternity. In the spiritual sense, we see it's different than in the natural. If you do not sow in the natural flower seeds or vegetable seeds, you don't reap. If you don't put anything in the ground, you're not going to reap anything. But let me tell you something. Buckle your seatbelt, church. Buckle your seatbelt. But the Bible teaches us we reap what is sown. And we reap also in the spiritual what was not sown. What do you mean by that, preacher? I'm going to tell you something right now. We have forgiveness from God and we have been bequeathed things by His grace and because of His mercy and because of God's grace and His love. We have received things and we didn't sow anything to deserve that. Are you all hearing me tonight? So when I'm saying this to you, the Bible teaches we reap what is sown, but we also reap what was not sown. Romans 2 verse 6. You got to hear this tonight. Because that was that was one of the wow factors and everybody just kind of went, eh. You need to listen to this. Because this is the problem people don't realize. That by them doing nothing, they have sown things. Amen. Amen. In chapter 2 of Romans, verse 6, the Bible says this. Who will render to every man according to his deeds? That's what he's saying. God will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. He's talking about glory unto God, honor unto God, and immortality which is eternal life living as an immortal in in heaven of eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, what he's saying here is this we do not choose to always intentionally intentionally sow. We don't always choose to intentionally sow things, even in the negative. We may say, I didn't, I don't feel like I've sown in the negative or evil, but by us not doing something, by omission, we are sowing. Amen. People are going to say, I I went into the doctor and I told him I'm overweight. And he said, it's not your fault. And I thought, you're right. It's not my fault. He was being facetious with me. But that's what a lot of people say. They say, "I, I, I don't know how this happened. It happened because you didn't do what you should have done. Okay? And so... What I'm simply trying to say to you is we do not always choose intentionally to sow evil things or to sow disobedience. We don't realize that by us not doing what we're supposed to do, we are sowing seeds. Things are happening because we didn't do what we should have done in the right. It's like John 3.18. It simply says it right there in John 3.18. Remember, we always quote John 3.16. Everybody can quote John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believeth in Him, then you acteth upon what you believeth. <laughs> he said, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But listen. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What is he saying? And what does John three eighteen tell us? That choosing not to make a decision for Christ and believe in Him does not absolve us from the eternal and earthly consequences. Because people have consequences upon this earth because they do not serve God. There is not a blessing upon their life. There is not peace upon their life. There is not grace upon their life. There is not hope there's not a a when i use this word um what i'm trying to say is there's not a a desire for god and a desire to fulfill the purpose that god has for us and to be a testimony and an example of his love of his grace of his mercy of his life i can tell you people that 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 have absolutely denied christ a lot of people okay i'm not saying everybody but but we're getting ready to do this homeless ministry out here and you look at that and some people are out there on the street because they just simply can't afford to be anywhere else. But there's some people that have absolutely given up on life. They, the most part, most of them have given up on life. They have become a trophy in the devil's trophy case. Because what they're saying is, I don't have any purpose anymore. I don't have any will to live anymore. That's why all they do is just do drugs. They don't feel like there's any other hope. They say, "There's why should I work?" I've heard some of these millennials, or not even millennials. I think it's Gen Y or Gen X. I'm not sure. I think I don't know what generation I am. I'm I'm old. Amen. But 1972. But but you've got this new generation that says I don't want to work because I can't even make enough money to pay for the things that I need to pay for and get ahead in life so why should I even work and I understand that why they may feel that way but that is no reason to just lay down and quit and just stop living God created us with a purpose and the devil wants you off on the side of the street in a ditch somewhere not fulfilling the purpose of God which is to live for God and to show them I've got a reason for living I have value that's why when we begin to speak to people on the street and we tell them you have value we can tell them God loves them but when you start telling them you have value because God says you have value tears stream down their face that is a consensus. The enemy has them believing that this, I should just give up on life. And they don't have, thank God, you know, they're not listening to the voice. That's telling them to take their life. We don't want anybody to commit suicide. We don't want anybody to die. I'm so grateful that people value their life enough that they say, I don't want to go down that way. But but they, but they they have to realize that God fearfully and wonderfully made them. And they have value. And they're important and He loves them. And that's why they feel the way they feel and they've given up. They're dejected. They feel absolutely in despair. But, you know, all I can say to you today is that there are people that have, by them not making a decision to live for God, have made a decision. By you not making a decision, you have made a decision. Whenever God calls you to stand for truth and stand for something and you keep your mouth shut, you've said said something with great volume. Because your silence, you know, people say silence is golden. Silence is also a message. It sends a message by you saying nothing. And I can tell you in the day that we're living in, we need to be vocal about our relationship with God. Praise God. Praise God. So moving on here, let me just say this to you. I did not sow weeds in my backyard and my side yard, but they came up as a consequence of my doing nothing. What could you have done pastor well I first of all I could have pulled them when they were little now they're as tall as my granddaughter why didn't you get out there and pull them I ain't got around to it yet and I've sprayed Roundup, and it worked for a while Adrian came over one time and he said pastor he said you know we've pulled these weeds and you've pulled them he said you just need to get this stuff I said I know they sell it down at home depot it's called Roundup. I know you can spray that, that weed killer on there and they'll die. I said, but if you don't stay on top of it, they'll come back. It's like sin. If you don't kill sin, sin will be killing you. If you don't deal with it at its root, it'll, it'll creep right back up. We reap what we've sown. We reap what we've sown and we reap even when we haven't sown evil things. We just haven't done anything. If you don't pray and you don't seek the face of God and you're not in the Word and you're not in fellowship and you're not in the house of God, you're not going to be filled up with everything that you need to keep you where you need to be in God. Walking with Him. So in the spiritual, sowing can be intentional or unintentional. Some people sow evil. They, they sow sin. We have all did that before we come to Christ. He saved us and changed everything about us. We have, we've been made new creatures in Christ. We have new faculties. We have a new desire. We have a new mind. We have a new viewpoint. A new ambitions. New realized purpose in God. Everything is new. Behold, old things are passed away. All things have become new. We need to realize that we're new creatures in Christ. So put on the newness of God. Put on the mind of Christ. No Christian should live in a place of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the God we serve. But in the spiritual, sowing can be intentional or unintentional. Reaping for sure, no matter what. You can sow something spiritual, you'll reap spiritual. But if you sow nothing, you're going to see that you're still going to reap something and it's not going to be what you wanted. And if you sow evil and wickedness and corruption, you're for surely going to reap that. So I'm trying to give you a principle here that you understand. I can sow good things or if I do nothing, I'm still going to deal with something. But yeah, but I'm not, I'm not sowing evil, Pastor. I'm not sowing a life of sin or my flesh anymore. I said, yeah, but if you're not seeking the face of God like you need to, that devil will make sure that in the middle of the night some, some evil servant of hell will come and sow seeds in your life when you didn't even pay attention to what was going on. Remember the parable when Jesus said, an enemy has come in and sown in these fields while we slept. Don't be asleep at the wheel. Especially in the day that we're living and you've got to be alert. We got to be sober. As Paul or Peter said, gird up, you know, the loins of your mind. In other words, make sure that you... When, when he was preaching that and teaching that, they, they wore robes. They wore, that's what they wore. They didn't have pants like we do today. And, and what they would do is if they had to run, they'd grab that gown. They'd start running, you know? That's what he was saying. You can't run this race if you don't gird up that mind. You've got to bring that mind into where it's supposed to be. You're not going to think that way. This is the way you're going to think. Are you hearing your pastor? We're reaping what we've sown. We're reaping even when we haven't sown. And good or bad, we're, we're going we're gonna to deal with these things. But in the spiritual, sowing can be intentional or unintentional. Sometimes we lose a harvest naturally, but we never lose a harvest spiritually. If you've sown to the Spirit, you will reap it. Are you hearing me? You will reap it. Only repentance breaks the chain of sowing and reaping or a bad harvest. Only repentance. People say, I've sown all this, and I said, you can come to an altar. God can have mercy, and He can relieve you and do away with a bad harvest in one prayer meeting of true blue repentance. Amen. Have you ever been there where you thought, you know what, I did it this time? I'm telling you, I really messed up. I'm really in a mess. But you get on your face and you cry out to God, and He somehow, some way, turns things around and reverses the, the penalty or the harvest. You're thinking, man, I didn't deserve that, but praise the Lord, it could have, it should have been worse than what it is. But thank God for His mercy because I didn't have to reap that because God changed it and turned it. I'd have reaped it if I wouldn't have repented. But now that I've repented, I can see that thing turn. I praise God. I praise God. I praise God. Repentance deals with evil and its consequences. Let me give you a truth bomb. We may or we can escape consequences. Praise the Lord. But nobody will escape final responsibility. Well, pastor, what are you saying? Even if we sow, we're still going to deal with final responsibility? No, Jesus already dealt with our final responsibility. I'm talking about when people say, you know what, I may may have dodged that bullet, but you know what, I think I'm invincible, and you know what, I'll be all right. I don't have to worry about it, I'll just live and let live, I'll live my life and do whatever I want to do. No, one day, everybody is going to stand before God. I don't care what anybody says, one day, everybody's going to stand before God. And we may escape consequences by grace or just, well, it's always by grace. There are things that you think how in the world did that person not get caught and really not have to deal with the consequences? God had grace and mercy upon him because he had something in store and something he was doing. But nobody will ever escape that final responsibility when we stand before God and we will either Stand before God for ourselves, Or we will stand Christ Jesus will stand Before us And for us That's why you got to be born again That's why you have to put your faith And trust in Jesus It's simply put like this Either you trust in Him To be the Savior Or you have to be the Savior And you can't save yourself The difference between Lazarus And the rich man In Luke chapter 16, it's a powerful scripture. I'm talking about sowing and reaping, and when you finally cross over and you stand before God. In Luke 16 and verse 19, it says, There was a certain rich man. Now, this was a parable that Jesus spoke, and there have been many a preacher that said it wasn't a parable. We know that Lazarus is in the Bible. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. In other words, he ate well every day, every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. I want you to notice Jesus' words. He shows how Lazarus was carried into Abraham's bosom, but he said that, that rich man, he's buried. You know, we, we, I know we bury people and we put them in a grave and we go to the cemetery, but if they're born again, they're not there. They're not there. They were serenaded by angels and carried up to the throne of God. he That was Jesus' language. Think about it. He said, Lazarus was transported and he said, "Lazarus." It came to pass that the beggar died, and uh, the beggar Lazarus died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. In other words, there's a wonderful promise on the other side. You're not there yet, but when you get there, you'll be carried up into the arms of the Father, into the arms of the Savior. But he says here uh, that he's in Abraham's bosom because it was before the cross. And he said, "And the the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell." He lifted up his eyes being in torments and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. And, but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime, you have a lifetime to sow. And in your lifetime, what you sow is what you reap everlasting. He said, in your lifetime, you received good things and likewise Lazarus, evil things. In other words, he was sitting out in front of your door begging you for a crumb from your table and you wouldn't even answer your door. But he said, now he's comforted and you're tormented. Why did I read all of that to you? Because remember in your lifetime, your earthly life is a sowing time for the life after. This account will be the testimony of millions. They'll either have the testimony of Lazarus or they'll have the testimony of the rich man in hell. Sowing and reaping is something that we all need to stop and think about especially concerning salvation if we sow to the spirit we'll reap if we sow and by way of receiving the seed of god into our life in faith we have eternal life we have salvation eternal life i asked people in the jail one time i said how many know how many are believers and they all lifted their hands i said how many tonight know that if you took your last breath you'd go to heaven actually 40% raised their hands. And I said, I'm going to tell you right now, I just changed my message. I just changed my message. I said, you don't have assurance that you're born again and that if you take your last breath, you're going to go to heaven? I said, I'm going to tell you right now, He gives us blessed assurance. He gives us a hope. He gives us a confidence in Christ Jesus. And you know that peace that we have is a constant flow there that passes all understanding. But it's a constant peace with God and of God throughout our life. We can have that. We should have that. There's no other way to live. You've got to have that. You can't live one day thinking well I hope that lightning doesn't strike me or Jesus doesn't come back because I'm not ready. We need to always be ready. We need to have that confidence Amen, and that assurance in our heart. We're under the blood praise God we're under the blood we're under the blood and I praise the Lord for that that when he washes us and he saves us except we turn from that faith and walk away we've got salvation we've got that assurance down deep in our heart and I know we're supposed to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus so just stay before him stay under that fountain of grace know that he's a God of grace that doesn't want you walking through life paranoid and wondering all the time does god have a gavel in heaven getting ready to slam it down upon me he loves you he saved you and he knows how to keep you he's the keeper remember that he's the keeper that's why people may walk away they may have a backslidden stint or phase in their life or season but they always come back that's the problem with a lot of people. They don't know the blood's power and the grace of God and the cross's power and the work. When Jesus said it is finished, it was finished. That moment, amen, that moment, it was finished for you and I. we got to rest in that peace and have the peace of God in our heart and peace with God. What's the difference, Pastor? It's not in my notes, but I'm going to tell you. The peace of God With God is knowing that I've made peace with Him. In other words, I have peace because I know that He's forgiven me. And He will give you a verdict of peace. But then there's the peace of God. Every day you're walking with God. And you've got peace in every situation because you're walking with the One who's the Prince of Peace. Amen. I don't have to get all frazzled and rattled and all that stuff. We do. But it don't have to be. People are like, aren't you worried about what's going on in the world? No, I serve the Prince of Peace. I've made limited preparation. If something were to happen, I got a little extra food. I got some water. You know? And I and, and, and I got a whole pool full of water. Amen? And so I got plenty of water for all of us if we have to empty it out. But it's all right. It's I don't know how drinkable it is, but you can at least take a bath. Praise God. But i made preparation. I've used wisdom. But I can promise you this much no matter what happens. Whether it's an earthquake, whether it's a nuclear war, whether it's a rapture, I've got peace with God. I've got peace every day I'm walking with God. I've got the peace of God. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I went today and I was on my knees praying and seeking Him and I felt that peace down deep within me. You should have it. You can have it. And if you don't, tonight you should. Sowing and reaping are relational. We reap in kind. Evil produces evil. Good produces good. Reaping follows a natural law. You get out what you put in it. But here again, let me say this. In the spiritual, it's very similar but vastly different. Why? Because it's eternal you have to know the sowing the eternal sowing or the i'm sorry the the spiritual sowing and the natural sowing you have to know that they're very similar. But because of the, the, uh, the difference in spiritual and natural, because of the difference there, you're going to see what I'm saying here. In the spiritual, it's very similar but vastly different because it's eternal. Usually, sowing and reaping are directly related. But the Word tells us you may not get what you expect. Sometimes we don't get what we should have gotten. And sometimes I can tell you there's other people in our life that were a casualty of what we did. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm going to tell you. Reaping may not be limited to just you. People will say, you know what? The sin that I committed I thought was just private and I was the only one that knew about it. I can tell you it flows from your life and I had a woman in prison tell me she said even the things that I have been involved in that my kids never knew about she said it affected them The things that we think are secret that nobody's being affected by, I can tell you they're affected by it. Our children, we are never an island. Sin does not just affect you and the consequence isn't just to you. It's to everybody that's connected to you. If somebody sins in this church, this church feels it. When I say sin, what I mean is they do something that is catastrophic, okay? If I, if I, if I, if I uh, you know, think a thought or whatever, I get in this altar, I pray and ask God to forgive me. But if I let that thought cause me to commit adultery, I can tell you the whole church is going to be affected. Your family, if mom or dad does something, they're going to be affected. When the kid turns rebellious or does something, the whole family is affected. Are you hearing me? When people get out of the will of God... People are affected. And, and so we're not an island. David committed great sin. The king of Israel committed great sin with Bathsheba. He had a man murdered. He lied about it, swept it under the carpet. Bathsheba, who he had committed adultery with, and he he, he got rid of her husband. And he thought, everything's good. I cleaned it all up. I I murdered. I I, I deceived. I did all of this stuff and, and manipulated the whole situation. And now it's all covered up and nobody knows about it but me and Bathsheba. But I can tell you, God knew. And old Nathan the prophet came in and he began to share with him a parable about how that there was one man that had one little lamb and another man that had a ton of lambs. And he said that man that was rich and had all those lambs went over and scooped up that little lamb from that man that had one lamb. And he said he, you know, took it from him. I believe they say slew it and ate it or whatever. And he said, tell me his name. And Nathan said, you're the man. Oh my goodness. It's pretty bad when it's your own phone. And it even says, do not disturb. Let me tell you something. I hope you're listening. (laughs) Alexa needs Jesus too. Even though she ain't even real. That's my worst fear. Just happened right here in the house of God. I turned that thing on, do not disturb. Somebody showed me how that worked the other day. And then here, it doesn't even matter. That just shows you where we're living. They're listening to everything. <laughs> Let me get back to this. Praise God. Praise God. David saw the reaping in the lives of his children. Did he not? Didn't Nathan say, you know what? God will forgive you, but the sword ain't never going to leave your house. He lost the baby that Bathsheba had. Didn't live. He died. His t- Two of his sons were murdered. Uh, one of them was murdered. The other one died in battle. And, and Absalom became, you know, the one that that rose up and usurped authority and was disloyal to David. And But exactly what Nathan told him happened. You know, we see things sometimes, and I'm just going to say this. Even in my own life with my own children, there were things that I saw. And Sister Scowls and I even looked across the table sometimes and we said, you know what? We're the ones that raised them. We're the ones that raised them. And I thank God that they're serving God today. I give God all the glory. Kyle's smiling over here. And I said, you better be good because I'm going to tell you right now, you will pay for your raising. You understand? Amen. I'm not speaking something into existence. I said, I'm just telling you right now, I'm so grateful that my boys are serving God. But, you know, I can tell you there were times we didn't do everything right. You don't do everything right. Brothers, Brother Clinton that said, You want to know why them kids don't want to go to church? Because you go home and you start from the front of the church to the back. And you go on and on and on about everything the preacher said, the things that are going on, the things you don't like. It's too cold, it's too hot, it's too long, it's too loud. Amen. You say, not me, pastor. I don't bellyache and grumble grumble and groan. I can tell you when I went to church and I wasn't the pastor, there were times I did. That's why God told him when you march around the city of Jericho, don't say a word. You've mumbled and grumbled for 40 years, or not 40 years, but several years, and do not, well, 40 years, don't say a word. Keep your mouth shut. I've heard enough of that. (laughs) Amen. And on that that last day when you walk around that city, you can begin to shout. But I assure you this... David saw, going back to David, the reaping in the lives of his children, the sword never left his house. Jephthah in the book of Judges never realized his words, his vows would cost him grandchildren, his daughter's fruitfulness and her, you know, her life and, and, and being able to be married because he said, the first thing that comes to the door, the threshold, when I go home, if you'll give me this victory, God, I will sacrifice in essence and give to you the first thing that comes to, Before me when I go home And the first thing that met him at the door Was his daughter And he was like no I just feel in my heart to say this too I know I'm going on But years ago When I first was in the ministry I gave everything to the ministry And my family Was left to the side And neglected Because I was taught You need to give everything to that ministry. And I was like, okay, you need to be here this day. You need to be here this day. You need to be here Tuesday. You need to be here Wednesday. You need to be here Saturday. You're preaching in the prisons on this day. You're doing two services on Saturday. And I remember... A man of God by the name of Brian Kretz that came up to me. And I said, my wife, she's just not happy. But she doesn't understand that i got to preach the gospel. And he said, brother, let me tell you something. I know what you're saying. And I believe. And I said, but the word of God says. He said, hold on here just a second. I know the word of God says, except you forsake father, mother, sister, brother. He said, but God called you... Uh, To be married and you have children that need to be raised and it's your responsibility to raise them. And he said, if you do not take care of your family, you will lose your ministry. And possibly your family too. So make sure you have balance in your life. That you live for God. God first, and then your, your wife, your family then your jobs and ministry and all that stuff but God's first but make sure because if you don't take care of that family and minister to that family they will grow to be resentful to the God that you have 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 showed so much allegiance and faithfulness to and I'm not saying don't be involved in ministry I'm saying that you have to have balance in your life because there'll come a day when your kids will say all they ever did was go and they're always gone and I never saw them I remember one time Cameron said to me, and it, it it hit me. He said, "Dad, you're always, always, always at the jail, always." And I said, "Son, I got to go preach the gospel." And he said, "I understand that, Dad." He said, "But we're important too." I said, "Lord, God gave me a wake up call because you don't see things sometimes. Now don't everybody quit their ministries on me. I'm just telling you, put it in check. You reap what you sow." God shows us reaping is proportional to what you sow. In 2 Corinthians 9 6, I'm going, I'm going as quick as I can. I'm gonna to try to get you out of here as quickly as I can. But in 2 Corinthians 9 6, the Bible says this. He says, I'm sorry. 9 6. He said, But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart. So let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, but God loveth a cheerful giver. Reaping is proportion to what you sow. And in this case, he's talking about giving. However, God shows us in the Word, it's a law of spiritual harvest you reap often more than you've even sown. Did not Jesus say that give and it shall be given and God will pour it back out upon you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over? In other words, you give, but God will give above and beyond what you've given. He will bless what you've given. Amen. You pay in your tithes and your offerings and God blesses you above and beyond. How do you know that, Pastor? You don't know my finances. I'm telling you, I've watched people down through the years. God honors them if they will be faithful. He's honored me. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm, my job and my my income is derived from what, hap, what happens in this church and what comes through this church. And in the early stages, I had to do a lot of praying. I said, Lord, please, I pray that the people will be faithful. Because if they're not faithful, then he said, don't ever put your faith in those people he said I, you put your faith in me and I've trusted him. He said, you preach the word don't worry about nothing else but you give and you watch and I begin to even give him my tithes and offerings and missions and God always gives back and he gives back in abundance are you hearing me? He gives in abundance. You reap often more that's sown than is sown God determines proportions and he is not unjust or unfair. The inference is very clear that he's a sovereign God but he tells us also I will reward your bountiful Sowing and this is an act of faith. Also, if you give, you know, uh, abundantly, God will abundantly, uh, God will bless you. If you give sparingly, then that's what you can expect. But this tells us sowing and reaping are sequential. Your harvest is according to what you intentionally sow, and also it's according to your continual sowing. You will reap, and it will, it will, it will, it will pay off. In one day, you will begin to reap if you faint not. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't be weary in your sowing. But know this much, that as you begin to continue to do what you're called to do, and you're faithful to it, God will honor you. One law of harvest is time between the two. It's very hard for us to sow. I was sharing with somebody just a a, a couple days ago. I said, "We, we, we need to give. And I said, but the problem is, people start sowing seed and they're standing they're tapping their foot expecting God to produce a harvest the very next second and I said it doesn't work like that but just keep sowing and watch it will come it will come we don't get weary from work but we get weary from lack of results and lack of success so heed Paul's words be not weary he didn't say not He didn't say um, not to quit. There's a difference. Be not weary in well-doing. He didn't say, you know, make sure that you that you, you know, fight against not quitting. He said, be not weary in your well-doing. Because there's a difference. There's a huge difference. In well-doing, we don't stop. For in due season, God's timing. Uh, and, and his season is something that you have to look forward to. He will always pour out his spirit. He will always bless. But God cares for the sow, for the, for for the sowing and the reaping interval. And I'm closing with these two scriptures in Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six. It says this in verse ten: For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is not going to forget your work and labor of love. God is not an unrighteous God. He's a righteous God. He's a just God. He doesn't do things that would be evil or that would be uh, unjust. Even though sometimes we feel like, God, why did you allow this to happen? Just remember this. Just remember this. There's a lot of things working together for the good. And He's not unrighteous to forget uh, your work and labor of love, which you've shown toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister and so don't be weary. But he gives us a word to stay the course in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. And this is what it says it says, For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. There is a promise coming to those that will stay the course. And, church, let me tell you, there are some things you will not receive, and we will not receive until we're in heaven. No matter what you do or don't see, go to God's Word to lead you, to encourage you, to assure you, because it's easy to get discouraged. But I'm reminded of Psalms 137, and I do close with this scripture. I love this this, um, psalm, because he says in Psalms 137, I'm turning there as quickly as I can. He says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. And this is a scripture that a lot of people need to hear. And we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Why did I share that with you? Because I don't care what happens in your life. God has sown something in you. And He deserves the honor and the worship and the glory no matter how hard things get. No matter what you go through in your life, that testimony of though you slay me, I will trust you, was what Job said. God is desiring for you in the midst of your trial. And the greatest testimony, oh, I just feel the Holy Ghost. The greatest testimony is not the testimony you give whenever God has done some great monumental thing in your life. Some great cataclysmic thing where you say, man, God just moved mountains out of the way. The greatest testimony is whenever you're going through the hardness of life and the trials of life, and you're still standing praising God. That you're saying, nothing, my prayer hasn't even been answered, but I'm still standing. Amen. He hasn't saved my child, but I'm still standing. He hasn't even got me that job yet, but I'm still standing. I'm still standing, I'm still serving God. I'm still shouting the praises, even though I haven't seen what I've prayed for for years, what I haven't seen for years. I'm still seeking God. I'm so grateful all those years my dad still prayed. he still prayed 18 years, you know, 18 years or 16 years he's seeking God for Monica Matt and John Skiles. that was his three older kids, and he prayed for us, and he told me one day he said, "Son, I remember I laid you in." Your your brother and sister on the altar and I said God I can't be there to raise them I can't be there the situation and circumstances are out of my control I can tell you whenever you are not in control God steps in and shows you I'm working when you don't even realize that I'm working and not only did God save my dad's three kids but two of them are in the ministry I can tell you two of them are pastors today two of them are fruit from his life so don't hang that harp on the willow tree are you hearing me when you're going through your lowest moment don't hang that harp on the willow tree don't say well what do I do now God's God's, you know failed me God hasn't failed you he's saying hold on help is on the way hold on keep praising me they said they required of us a song when we were sitting there captives the Babylonians came in and they took Jerusalem they took the Israelites and their captives and they're coming over and they're saying sing us a song Sing about your God now. Testify about your God now. And they said, we hung our harps on the willow tree. It's time to take those harps down off of that willow tree and shout and praise God. I don't care how bad things get in the world. Jesus is still on the throne. God is still God. He's still the Almighty God. And you and I have got to know that no matter what, I'm going to praise Him and worship Him. And the reaping from my life is that I'm praising him through the storm and I'm praising him in spite of how bad it gets and it looks because God's working God's working amen I want us tonight as we leave I want us to agree in prayer it's 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 on social media now so I feel like I can take a liberty but everybody pretty much knows if you don't you're going to find out that 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 Jeremy and Noemi's oldest boy, Adrian, he ran away. He ran away. And as far as I know, I haven't got a report today. They still haven't found him. I don't know where he's at. Now that was by his own choice. He did that. But you know what? I want to tell you something. God can cause his steps to be slippery, amen, where he can't get any traction and he can't get ahead and try to move even further than he wants to. God is in control and he knows how to get a hold of that boy and put a hook in his jaw and bring him back. He knows how to bring him right where he needs to bring him. I said my prayer has been, God, make sure that he's safe. Keep him safe. He may have to go through some disciplinary action that if he didn't, he wasn't going to listen to mom and dad, I can tell you there is a system that will make him listen. Amen. There's laws and judges and police and, and authorities that will make him listen and that's just the law of the land. But I said whatever it takes, get a hold of him God. No matter what, just keep him safe. I don't want any harm done to him. I don't want him to be set back but Lord, I'm praying that prodigal come home. And so I want you to know today that we've got to bind together as a church we've got to believe God for this boy that God will bring him home so promise me this as we close in prayer and we ask God to bring him home that you will continue to pray every day that God will get a hold of his heart that he'll begin to prompt him or somehow some way he'll make a mistake and get tripped up and get caught amen so that he has to come home because I can tell you as much as God cares about Adrian he cares about that mama over there that's wondering is my boy okay is my boy okay is he still alive what's going on with him where is he sleeping what's he eating what's going on in his life nobody knows the pain until you've been there and none of us for the most part have been there but church let me tell you something we've got to bind together our faith and trust God to bring him home so let's stand let's agree in prayer